You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It is the weekend of Neil Atkinson, Jay McKenna, Dan Morgan and Melissa Reddy with you to go through Another quiet week. I'm going to have to get used to this, Dan Morgan. I've been uh, rattling through weekenders like nobody's business where I've got a midweek game to talk about and then a Liverpool-related story. But the thing about going out to the FA Cup, and it's the first thing that when you see the way the fixture list opens up, I mean, I'd like to think there's some lads doing some training sessions and getting some days off, and we're not hearing much about it. We almost want nothing to talk about. Yeah, you can imagine them getting a, a bit more vitamin D in the veins, can't you, over the next <laughs> few weeks, hopefully. Um, it's, I mean, the FA Cup's a good example in that, you know... The, the, you can imagine with the FA Cup, the third round game, the team is the team probably from the 1st of December. And what defines um, some of the criticism around Liverpool going out to the FA Cup is in many ways the draw before it. It's an absolute dog of a draw um, because Liverpool have to play who they play. You know, they physically can't play Robertson, they can't play Van Dijk, they're in the red. We know that. We probably know that from Newcastle. Um, so it's nice. It's nice that Liverpool get... Need enough a week now to prepare for games, 10 days for buying. Um, and the manager gets them on the training pitch, and we know how much he loves the training pitch. It's his, you know, it's his bread and butter, it's his forte, it's where he wants his boys. And it focuses Liverpool to to do what they need to do from here on in, which is pretty much be, be perfect, or the need to be perfect from here till the end of the season. Jay, there's something in it. Dan says they'd be perfect, near to perfect. It all falls really rather nicely. You've got you know Brighton and Hove Albion, there's a good nice days, then there's seven days, then there's Crystal Palace, then there's ten days, then there's Leicester. Even Leicester, the midweek game, Monday night against West Ham. West Ham, Monday night, five days then till Bournemouth, and then that next big gap that Dan's referring to. You know, I, I think we all want Liverpool to be in every competition for as long as possible, but if there ever was a year for an early exit from the FA Cup, not a fifth-round exit or a quarter-final exit, this is the year for an early exit from the FA Cup. Yeah, I was, I was having this conversation in work before, actually, with a fellow who's, a, I think it's Sammy, a fan, and my mate who's a blue, and he was saying, you know, Liverpool don't want to be going out. And they don't, I didn't want us to go out. I think, I think we approached that game, you know, Dan's right, we had a... We had the players available, and you know I don't I don't get the criticism of the team to be fair because I think it was you know there was eight lads there who've all played first team football for Liverpool regularly and stuff like that. If we draw Rodham around, there is no criticism. Yeah, no, and I think if, we win uh, that game at a canter. And I think Shakiri's goal goes in. You know I think maybe Liverpool Wolves panic and Liverpool win, and it's it's a different thing. It's a Premier, they're a Premier League side. Let's not forget they're not they're not no one. They're a Premier League team, top half. They're, they're a pretty good team. They ran us close for for part of the game in the league as well and he played lots of them same players so I, I, I don't get to think I, but I think now you're right though there's a, it's what it presents to you, you there, there's no point just going over it and saying oh wouldn't it be better if we were playing over weekend because we're not now yeah. and we've got this gap and it stuck, it stuck home to me when someone posted uh, a table of 
the fixtures up until the end of February, I think it was. And, you know, Man City are looking at, you know, they've got a run of games where, and they're a cup final. You know, I know they're going to have a semi-final, second leg, that doesn't mean nothing now, but, you know, they're going to have big games where they're going to keep, big players are going to want to play in it. They're going to want to get games and stuff like that. So, I think Liverpool are now looking at this going, OK, well, this is the opportunity presents us. If we'd have gone through, we'd have gone through. But as it is, we're out. The lads are now, you know, as we said before, they're going to get, you know, a couple of days off. We're going to be seeing lots of Instagram photos of Albie Moreno walking around Sefton Park while everyone else is in Dubai or something like that. But they're going to be off. They're going to enjoy themselves a few days. They're going to train more. And then they're going to have a winter, a, a, you know, a warm weather training in, in, the, in the February, I'd imagine. And they're going to see where to take them. And I think the gaps now, as you say, where, you know, you've got that West Ham game and then Bournemouth. Let's Liverpool probably break this season down now, which I think is important into like sort of three or four game blocks, which I think, you know, for the league, getting onto a wide conversation about how we bounce back and we'll come into it on Brighton, I'm sure, is, you know, people saying, how do you come back from recent results? My thing is, Liverpool just need to go and do three or four games. Three or four wins for Liverpool, and suddenly there's less games for City to make up the points and, you know, the pressure's on them. I think Liverpool just break their seasons down now into blocks of, of four games. There's, before we talk about breaking it down into Mel, that's what I want to come on to. The manager said something really interesting after the Wolves game, and we didn't really mention it on the the free show, but it it was interesting. He said he said it was the hardest he, it was the hardest draw we could have got. We got we got the hardest draws, the hardest draw we could have got, and I think that's really interesting. I think he could be right. Wolves are the side who are the best out of the bottom fourteen in the Premier League against the top six. That's mm. literally demonstrably the case. You know, we can't argue with that. The factor there. Then there's the there is this little sort of little sort of thing where they themselves you get the impression. They they pick a hell of a side. Apart from Ruddy in goal, it's pretty close to a to a full a full strength mm. eleven. Denzonka gets a rare run out, but he is a Belgian international, and that's what we come up against. And it is, you know, I I, I think and fair play to them. The best thing about it, I thought, was Wolves want to win that FA Cup, and I think I actually wondered. I think Wolves might be a really good bet to win the yeah. FA Cup this season, given the fact that they will they can beat anyone in the top six. Yeah, their reaction after the game actually said how much they feel that the FA Cup is within their remit this season or that they can go as far as possible um, in it. And the selection also, you know, underscored that. Um, but when Liverpool's first team played them in the league, it, it wasn't easy, it wasn't comfortable for Liverpool. They're a really good side. Yeah, they are. They've, they've got a lot of balance. They've got the right idea in terms of, you know, being aggressive in possession, out of it. Um, they've got a very clear idea of who they are and how they play. Um, and the result didn't actually surprise me at all. Um, the fact that Liverpool didn't want it as much as them didn't surprise me. The fact that Liverpool looked like a team that hadn't played together couldn't have shocked anyone because it is a team that hasn't played together. Perhaps the... The unsettling thing was that the senior players, more than anything, let the side down. Um, I thought the youngsters acquitted themselves well enough. I I've seen Shakiri get a lot of uh, stick, but I mean, when you have forwards who, who aren't running or you're not getting the ball to supply them, or when you do have the ball, there's nothing happening in front of you. I've seen people say he only started to play when Mohamed Salah and um, Sadio Mane came on. And I mean, that's... Was Sorry, Roberto Firmino came on. And it's... Yes, he plays differently because now he's got players who, you know, are willing to move, are, are finding space, are creating space. Um, but yeah, Liverpool, I think, are, are better served 
especially in the context, in the context of a small squad that has injury issues to, you know, a few key players and Joe Gomez being one of them. You've got Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's rehabilitation, which is ahead of schedule. So, you know, maybe this, he could also feature soon enough and and you can work with him and this with the squad during the the extended periods of of rest you get um but in saying that i think actually the the, the city's packed fixtures have been working for them in so far as they haven't really broken a sweat yet. They've got rhythm. They've got confidence. They've got swagger back. It's nothing helps uh, like scoring goals. Yeah, and that's going to be really interesting. The thing is, fatigue always materializes eventually, yeah. and injuries you can't legislate. You know, if there's a game, there's likely to be an injury. In saying that, if there's a training session, there's likely to be an injury. So, um, but they're going to play Tottenham in a, in a. You'd imagine they're going to play Tottenham in a league final. Yeah. That means the Everton game gets bumped back for them. So Everton's going into April for them. And that's a game that Tottenham are thinking, well, we want to win this. Tottenham are technically going to be playing at home, I suppose. Tottenham are going to want to win that. They, they, want, they want a trophy. Their fans deserve a trophy. And they're going to want to beat Man City, much like we did. Mm. So it doesn't matter who you're playing the runners. They're going to play a team. And City did when they played us. You know, they played Fernandinho. And I think Fernandinho scores, doesn't he, in that, in that League Cup final yeah. when we played them. Goes through Mignolet. I, you know, they're going to want to play a team so there's a chance there that's where Fernandinho gets an injury doesn't matter if they can coast for 60-70 minutes in another game mm. then they've got to step it up for that game and they've got to step it up maybe against the Schalke and they've got United and it's, suddenly it's you know I, I think that's where they, mm. I think that's what is City's struggle is that kind of fatigue from playing intensive games I want City to have to play for things I want City to go further in the Champions League because I want them to not make that decision about do we best players for the league or not but them having to think right we've got to give 90 minutes on a Wednesday we've got to give 90, 90 minutes on a Saturday and mm. them to keep having to do that Um, want to talk you mentioned it was mentioned there uh, Shaqiri, Dan I felt recently off the bench Shaqiri's been excellent uh, I think Sturridge plays well at Burnley Um, I think there is something in it it's interesting that you know the idea the criticism of Shaqiri only comes alive when 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 Salah and Firmino come on, that's not a, that, that's a ridiculous thing to state. He's got more space to work in once once Firmino and and Salah come on. In the same way that Sturridge, when they come on against Burnley, so he's got more space to work in. I think where they, they found it a little bit difficult was that Wolves were able to get right on them because they're Liverpool's creative fulcrum. So they made their life really difficult, to squeeze the space, and that's it's that straightforward. And that's fine, by the way. It's really worth pointing out. That's fine. These are really good. Wolves are really good, and it's sound. They're allowed to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Um, Burnley's a really good example in that, you know, we watch Shakiri and Sturridge on the pitch for an hour and it's not until the subs are made again there that all of a sudden the space opens up because Burnley's line just drops mm. 10, 15 yards and there you go. You know, they can't, the blankets stretch massively and Liverpool don't really get the chance to do that and I think the reason why is because Wolves, as we know, we've seen from the season, they're a very brave side in and out of yeah. possession. They're really brave in how they keep the line, they're really brave in how they keep the shape, they're really brave in how they want to play and they're willing to die on the sword a lot more than a lot of teams in this league and that in many ways is what made it, and you know, it's not an excuse in any way, but it's what made it the worst possible draw for Liverpool when it comes out the at. It's an absolute stinker because if Liverpool get Tottenham at Wembley, one, it kind of makes your mind up on the side you have to play in terms of going there enough as full strength as you can. But two, you know, you you know what you're going to get, and you know that there's a possibility that the game's going to play out a certain way. Wolves are really cute in what they do, in that, like you've mentioned on other shows, they just sit off us, and and they pick their moments to they hold the nerve and picking their moments to pick us off, 
And that's really, really good because the first goal comes from a player out of rhythm, Moreno, putting a ball into Milner that he should never put to him when he's got the whole of the pitch in front of him and he can see that they can transition on us if they if they counter-press, which they do, and they do it really well. And they get the rewards from that, which is completely fair enough. But it's just one of those that, in many ways, it does for you before you've even kicked the ball. I want to talk about the African Player of the Year, and in that I actually want to circle back around in this conversation and have a, t- have a chat about Keita. Um, <clears throat> Liverpool are first and second, Mel, uh, in the African Player of the Year. I think this is really important. I think it's important for the club. It's, I think it's important for the the, the fan base in the United Kingdom, in uh, different parts of the world, to understand the scope and significance of this. Liverpool are, in many senses, the complicated continent of Africa's side to watch at the mm-hmm. moment. There's lots that goes on. Africa's a hugely, well, firstly, it's enormous, and secondly, it's hugely disparate as a place, as I think you could actually just see from the tiny clips of the awards ceremony. It put that in context. But it tells the story of how Liverpool have treated the star men. They're both, again, at the awards ceremony. That was controversial last year. This year, it isn't. Everyone's rolled with those particular punches and it shows I think exactly how important the importance of these footballers and how they feel about that award how they feel about the representation of Africa and Liverpool are working with them on that yeah um often what can happen you know when there's an international break you know fans say well why does Salah have to go to Egypt or or Mane go to to Senegal for this game it's so far away all that travel just for a friendly yeah, as if it's their fault that's far away, like, you know. It's not yeah, but, but these guys, what they symbolise for that continent, for people who otherwise have very little hope in their lives because of their conditions, you know, be it poverty or just lack of opportunity. Um, and here they are, seeing these people who, you know, come from the same place as them. Yeah with the same, you know, or similar sort of struggles that they face at the apex of the Premier League. And it's this thing of everything's possible and they keep going back to reinforce that message. They know that they wouldn't be where they are without where they're from. And so there's that, you know, importance of of never forgetting that uh, and and remaining true to that. If you... If they were asked not to go and play a game, they'd be quite angry, actually, because it, it means that much to them. Um, I also think it's it's really, really great that it's not just about having players from everywhere. You know, Liverpool have a strong Brazilian connection now as well. But these are really, really, really good players that have come to Liverpool and just, you know, elevated themselves so much that now they're getting recognition as well on an international level. We, I think we take that opportunity for granted in a wider thing of how they view their country. We take that for granted because we have an, an image of what we see the national team and represent the national team mm. or that there's lots of ways you can represent the national team. England has lots of teams in lots of sports, whereas, you know, in a, it, for, for Senegal or, or Egypt, this is like, we, we've got one of the best in the world when we're not even close to being the best in the world ourselves. So I, I, I think you're right. I think there's, there's a national pride thing for it. I think it does show that idea. I think it speaks a lot, though, that we've got the best players from certain continents and certain countries. You know, it, it, it shows a development in the team that, you know, we've got, we've got Brazil's number one. We've got the star man. We've got the star men from the entire continent of Africa. We've got the some of the best players in Europe. It's like 
we've got the best we can get, which I think shows an improvement in Liverpool. The idea, you know, I think the Guardian stuff was around the, the top 100 players, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, and I was looking through that and I was thinking, aside from the Liverpool players we've got, there's three or four lads here that applied the trade at Liverpool. Prior to being in this list, Coutinho, yeah. Sterling and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, yeah. that's great. Suarez, I'm thinking, that we are now the destination for these players and players like this who want to get their opportunity are thinking, well, I want to come and show me opportunity and... Liverpool are going to be good to me. They're going to, you know, not going to let me go to these award ceremonies, but I can yeah. be a platform on which I can win these things and feel a part of it, and they'll support me in in, in my involvement. Yeah, and I, and I think this says something for Cater as well. And comes back to I was going to mention this on the Wolves thing when we mentioned Shakiri. Then I, I feel a bit sorry for him because I, I think he's almost Wolves. That game starts and Wolves sit off, and Cater gets the ball a few times, a little shimmy, and he's running and he's running at Wolves defence, and you're thinking that's good. If he's got a, if he's got a Salah or a Firmino off from there. He's more of a threat because the Wolves centre half thinking to Bowley's thinking to himself, Well, do I let him just run at me? Or do I go to him? But if I go to him, Firmino and Salad or Mane are running mm. off me. He he hasn't had that same opportunity in the league. And then what it is is Wolves step up, Wolves press up because there's a big gap suddenly between Liverpool's midfield and attack, and they discover they can close that space and they press us, they force us back. And then suddenly it looks a bit congested in midfield. And Shakiri's thinking, Well, what can I do? And Kater's now thinking, Well, I've got the ball. I'd, I think, you know, players like him, he should be looking at Salah and Mane and thinking, OK, that's not happened for me as fast, but I will get me opportunities here. They'll give me time, they'll support me, they'll nurture me. And I think we'll see that from Akaiter as well. I think we'll see that, you know, we'll grow into this team more than the others, making an instant impact. But, you know, I think players like that will be, you know, they'll be looking at that. And, I'm, and maybe the next Kaiser, the next Salah, who's thinking, well, I'm not getting my opportunity or I'm not sure I'm ready there yet. You know, from countries like... You know, in Africa and that, I'll be thinking to themselves, well, you know what, Liverpool is the place that'll help me nurture and develop. They're the club for me because Kaita's going to be given that opportunity and the others already have. I think development's really interesting in this context now for for, for, for Kaita, Dan. I was going to talk about it in Brighton, but we'll do it right now. Is I'd pick him. I'd, pick, I'd start him against Brighton. And the reason why is I think it's an opportunity to to get regular, you know, to almost say to him, go and, get, go and have an hour. Go and have an hour now. Yeah. You get yourself your hour, your, your hour, for, your hour against Brighton. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a free hit, Brighton. It's the opposite of a free hit. I'm unbelievably nervous about it, but I still think yeah. that Kaiser show more than enough, for instance, away at Tottenham. And it may well just be now a matter of question of getting them into the rhythm of playing football. Yeah. And as Jay says, an hour with is the good lads. They're up front. They're going to create space for you, something to move into, and you'll have behind you. Henderson and Wijnaldum and looking after you. I would be tempted, genuinely, I said it straight afterwards, straight after the Wolves game, I would be, because whilst I was frustrated by his performance against Wolves, I just sort of think we could really do with him coming to the party and maybe we can use these games in January as an opportunity mm. to give him the springboard to do that. I'd start him as well, and and the reason why is because I think there's a part of me that thinks if it doesn't happen for him in the next five, with the fixtures being the way they are, the margin for error and the opportunity to just drop someone in come the back end of February come, becomes less and less because of probably what's still at stake, which we're all hoping is still at stake. Yeah. And that's for, that's for you know, you can have that discussion with the likes of an Oxlade-Chamberlain coming back. It's hard to just drop him in because we're going to need every ounce of a semblance of getting a point that we can get. So so I think for, for me, there's, there's a little bit of urgency around it now. I think he's such... I mean, I, I do have a slight concern around him in that I, I think he's almost unintentionally by the way it's worked for him or not worked for him so far, is he's, he's almost making himself look a little bit mercurial, and he's not. And and this is this is the thing that's it's it's almost happening by by accident. By the way, it's it's just not working quite working for him, and you can see a lot of what he's trying to do. 
but you just feel like it, there's there's it's there's a part where he's so close to grabbing a game by the scruff of the neck, and then it just doesn't happen for him. And everything he does that is is in many ways good looks a little bit futile. So so I think there's that there is that that need for him to get hold of a game of football as well, which is why I keep playing him. I. I think that Brighton away might be, in many senses, perfect for him. I think one of the reasons why Burnley happened for him the way in which it did is Burnley, they'll have a scrap with you. Mm. And I think that what's happening, so Wolves are a really good example of the make-picking the moments between sitting off and then crowding you, but you never fully feel like you're in the game. That Burnley game was a good example of a game happening to a footballer and him growing and growing and growing through the game. And I wonder if that's what he's found difficult so far is how often sometimes he's playing and Liverpool's opponents are actually a little bit passive. I think he wants to feel involved and... I don't know. I, I I do think we could do with getting him getting him in in shape mm. now. And I, I agree with Dan that maybe there is a little bit of a ticking clock for this campaign. And it'd be great if we could have him foot firing. I'd start him as well, and I'd probably get the message across to him that he should stop overthinking things and stop yeah, yeah. trying to force things because I think he does have this pressure of all the the hype that he came with. And all the things expected of him, and mo- most importantly, all the things he expects of himself. Yeah. And because it's not come off yet properly or with any sort of regularity, he's now pushing it. And when you when you acting off like desperation, you're not performing with any sort of clarity. Um, and I'd play him and say and and give him freedom and release him from whatever is holding him back psychologically because I think the issue is in his, you know, in his own head. um, I also think it's still not helpful during his settling in process that there was the injury because Mm. there's still the language barrier. He can't lean too much on Sadio Mane who has, you know, his own life. Um, So I just think he's found things perhaps not as um, simple as, as he assumed it would be. Uh, the transition because he you know he did play similar type of football um he is really suited to to Liverpool's whole ethos of of fighting football and it's okay for things not to be streamlined and straightforward it really is and he can ask Roberto Firmino I was thinking this the other day though sorry Jay in that um when you have these conversations around whether you you know you ponder whether a player is going to make it or not it's almost always around ability and the, the odd thing about Kaita is we all know he's got it. You know, mm. we can all see it's yeah. there. So it is, it, it's almost the opposite of what you usually attach to these type of situations. Well, I, I, I think he's put himself under a bit of pressure. I think he's trying too much. And the bits where you've seen him, even for Liverpool doing stuff, you know, I I think back to the Chelsea game when we scored, it, when we started scored late, I'm watching Kaita thinking, you're the first man I've seen in a while. And even in, the, in that game, but certainly recently, where one of our midfielders has ran past the forwards. He, he's give the ball into a forward and he's ran on through that. That actually, his movement from midfield actually makes the space for Sturridge to have that shot yep. because their defence, their midfielders have got to track him back and that leaves space there. I think he's trying too much a bit. I think there's bits where he skips past them and then against Wolves, he then starts to skip past one too many men because he's thinking, well, there's no pass on. I think yeah. he's getting frustrated at the way the players are around him. I would like to see us give him some freedom and I'd, I'd like to imagine maybe on Saturday and you just said having two men behind him, I think you play him in the three. I think you give him the role you were given Shakiri before this. Um, or even Firmino, if you want to give Firmino a blow at some point. I I think you're saying to him, 
whether it's a half or thing. I'm going to play you in a three behind the one. I'm going to see what you can do. I'm going to. I'm just going to say to you, just go and play football for a bit, mate. Don't you worry about having some midfield and stuff like that. I'll put you in the three. See what you can do. Just because I'm, I'm interested in his idea that he can break down defenses with his passes and regain a bit of confidence. And then you can play him in a three in midfield sometimes to try that and see what happens. I think there's something in that, but one of my things on it though, Jay, is, and I mean this, like, all the numbers aren't there. So, and my point about that was the, 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 when we sign him, everyone talks about the fact that he's a midfielder who does everything. He does your tackling for you, wins the ball back for you, creates things, goes past people, sticks in the back of the net, he'll get you one and four. But there's another set of numbers that aren't there as well. He had a bad disciplinary record. Mm. And what I mean here is, he's therefore a footballer who's constantly involved in the match and feels mm. as though he's at the fulcrum of it. Mm. And that's why I maybe would, you know, I completely see the idea of liberating, but I almost just feel. Make him feel part of the scrap. Or just give him a job to do. Yeah, anything. just make him feel part of that and make him feel like come off the pitch and feel like he's been part of it. Because the big it's thing going on the volley people for half Yeah, hours that, that surprises me that that hasn't happened, if yeah, you know what I mean. That he hasn't got frustrations on it. I, I think, well, I think this comes to the thing of, and I think Chamberlain's learned, learned this towards the end. It's like, when you're playing for Liverpool, we don't need, and we've, got, we've done it with Salah again. We've done it with our players now. We don't need you to do all of the things anymore, mate. We just need you to do your thing really well yeah. so Mohamed Salah now just does his thing yeah. brilliantly again but but last year he was attacking on the right and he was cutting now he's like nah I'm just going to score goals don't worry about me and I think you say that to him the same way you say now you just do your thing now mate you just, yeah. we just want you to do this one thing really well so if it's booting people go and boot them for half an hour if it's passing if it's being in the three and playing passes to Salah you do that do whatever you want for half an hour but just do it brilliantly I think it's also the issue of um if you were tasked, if you were the linchpin of, of Leipzig and, and it was your duty to be all things to everyone and you come to Liverpool and you're now part of a collective and you've got a midfield which either can be very concerned with offensive protection and be very stable or, you know, a little bit more of a, of a front foot midfield depending on, on how the personnel is but who who can do all the things sort of that you can beyond the I, I would say the really creative element I think it then waters down your influence and it's something you have to adjust to as well the fact that you are now not the focal point of that midfield you're not the one that has to break up and construct play it, it, I'm not comparing them so anyone who's going to break this podcast down and use this clip and say, oh my God, I can't believe he's just done that. But Steven Gerrard would have had this if he'd gone to Chelsea. Gerrard, if he'd gone to Chelsea, he'd no longer have to be the Steven Gerrard he was at Liverpool where he'd yeah. done everything. He'd have gone to Chelsea and been a bit like, well, I don't need to do what he does because Lampard does that and I don't need to do what yeah. he does because someone else does it. And it's why someone like a Steven Gerrard, you didn't see the best of a Steven Gerrard or another player of England's generation play very well for England at the time because they were this kind of player they were for their team and when they went to the national team, it was like, well, we don't need you to be this kind of player. We need you to just do this bit of your job now. And he couldn't do it. And he's just going to take a bit of time settling on that. I think, I think you know, people are beginning to worry about him. But I think we've just got to say to him, well, we've just got to see what he can offer to the team. Because it might be that we've signed him and we've thought he's going to be this player. And Klopp might have thought it. But he's watching him and saying he's now maybe thinking, nah, I think you're a defensive midfielder for me. Or, you know, look at one album. Yeah. The one album we signed from Newcastle isn't the one album yeah. that plays for Liverpool mm-hmm. now. The Salah we signed it. Even last season isn't the salad that we have for Liverpool now. And I think there's a Liverpool of last Firmino. season isn't the Liverpool of now, and Liverpool the season before isn't the you know it's, seeing... it's all progressive. Yeah. yeah, and I think you, you, if you if Liverpool win the league this season and Liverpool are, everyone's fearful of Liverpool next season and we make a good start of the league, 
you've probably seen Kater playing week in, week out in Europe and he's looking fantastic because everyone's scared of him and he's getting a bit, you know, the, the back and off lip and he's getting a bit more space and he's undoing them suddenly. So I think, you know, it, it swings around, it, but I would like to see him get some time and, and see what you get from him. We'll have a chat about Brighton, that's to come. Uh, also, we'll have a little chat about uh, um, how we approach it and all of that sort of stuff. But to come, we've got the uh, the, the Mercedes under-19 tournament that we went out to. The start, the fans bet star sixes. That is also, there's some clips coming up from conversations in that. Bands FC have got an exhibition. That's coming up as well. It's your weekend, it's absolutely packed. We end with Brighton. You know how this works by now. Hi, and welcome to another Anfield Rap Special. I'm Josh Sexton. Over the course of the weekend, myself and Craig Hannon were in Stuttgart covering the Mercedes-Benz Junior Cup 2019, an indoor six-a-side tournament in which Liverpool's under-18s were taking part. On the Saturday evening, which was after day one of the tournament, we were given the opportunity to speak to Barry Lutas, the under-18s manager, who was great and really helpful in giving up his time to chat to us. So thank you very much to him for that and to all his staff and players who were a pleasure throughout, which was capped off by the players going on to win the tournament on the Sunday, the day after we recorded the interview. A big thank you also to Mercedes for giving us the opportunity to cover what was a great event and for their hospitality throughout. We asked Barry about his thoughts on the, on the tournament, his role as under-18s manager, Klopp's influence on goings-on at the academy and of course the emerging talent of Kiana Hoover. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, 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 really enjoyable, really enjoyable. So obviously first experience at a competition like this, six aside, indoor, you know, it was full, wasn't it? Lots of people in there, it's hot. You know, there's a bit of atmosphere, especially the Schalke game. They brought a few supporters waving the flag. So, yeah, yeah, it was different. It was good. And that Schalke keeper as well, he was mad, wasn't he? Yeah, it, it, was, it was quite funny, actually, because, you know, we were quite comfortable with him having the ball. He kept bringing the ball out to the halfway line. But then there was a few moments where we were thinking, is he getting a bit close to the goal here? But, uh, but it worked out in the end. So I'm just interested to know a bit, a bit about your sort of job around the youth team. Then, what is, do you have a sort of open line of communication with Klopp in terms of the players that you see? Because obviously you're managing these lads majority of the time. Do you then get to relay that information to the manager, or does that go through the likes of Alex Inglethorpe and people like that? Yeah, no, my, my, yeah, my job, my job just day to day is to work with the boys, concentrate on their, you know, individual development, and obviously then try and put it into a collective identity in terms of when we play the games. Obviously, you know, the dealings of boys who are going to move up and, and, and possibly be around, you know, Melwood, you know, that, you know, their decisions and that'll be done by Alex and, and, and obviously the next step for some of the boys is to go up with Critch with the 23s. So, you know, no, my job's very much kind of just day to day, keep an eye on the, you know, on the boys and what they're doing and just keep working towards that. So. I suppose quite a lot of that is that you have to keep them motivated and you have to keep that desire there because particularly at a young age you sort of hear a lot of stories in football now of, of lads who've, who've just gone out of the game so young and fallen out of love with it and that can be through you know being released by clubs but especially at a big club like Liverpool if, it, if maybe that taste of first team football is not quite there how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, yeah I mean we're probably, we're probably in a fortunate position at the moment in terms of you know there seems to be, there seems to be a pathway you know if... if, if if your attitude and mentality is right, and obviously, you know, if you're good enough as well. But, you know, I think in terms of the, <clears throat> the style of football that's being played at the academy now right the way through, you know, from, from the Littlands, obviously through to the 23s, it's a real good atmosphere, a real nice, you know, way of playing. So I think the boys are motivated to play, you know, they want to be here, you know, they enjoy, you know, playing for Liverpool and everything that brings. But on top of that, in terms of kind of, you know, boys losing motivation and so on and so forth, you know, that's, at the moment, you know, we just work hard day to day. And, you know, certainly we haven't seen a drop in, in attitude or motivation in our group. So, you know, we've just got to keep working hard. 
When you talk about the pathway to the first team, I'm interested to know with the, with the move to Kirby that's happening, where all the sort of, all the sides going to be there. How much do you think that's going to increase the sort of desire when when you've got these lads that you've got now who will be training at Kirby still to be in and around the first team and to be around them players? Because sort of noticed bits from today where I was, where I was saying to Craig, you know, uh, Remy in particular, he was he was turning players like he was Virgil Van Dijk, and there's a couple of things where you think, oh, he's he's been watching him in the first team, but to be around them players must also be massive for them. Yeah, yeah, listen, I can imagine. Listen, the pathway at the moment, you know, and Kirby to Melwood and things work fine. You know, obviously, you'd hope in a few years' time, you know, that you know that transition makes it even easier, being on the same site, if you like. But our focus is very much on, we've got to continue to produce boys that are good enough. You know, that's the, that's the end of, you know, boys are good enough, they'll make that journey to Melwood just as easy as if they make the journey to the back of Kirby. So, you know, our focus is very much on, on you know, developing the boys individually on the areas that they need to improve. And then hopefully, you know, in terms of when that move happens in a few years' time, yeah, logistically it'll make things easier. But obviously in terms of that motivation as well, I imagine, you know, having, having the first team not too far away, I'm, I'm sure will be a motivational factor for the boys. And you mentioned if the boys are good enough, there's obviously a lot of talk about Keanu Hoover at the moment and, and how he's been performing this season. You've probably not worked with him that long, obviously, you only, only just signed in the summer, but, but are you proud to see all these suggestions around him and the, and the talk that he could be in the first team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, you'd be you pleased for any of the boys, you know. You know, Keanu's done well. He's settled in well. Uh, he's a nice boy. Uh, got a good attitude. Uh, he's fitted in well with the group, and you know, when he's played, he, you know, he's fitted into the style of play in which we want to play. So, you know, in terms of his, you know, his rate of progress, you know, he's done extremely well. So, you know, credit to him. But he's got to keep up that hard work, you know, which which I have told him. But you know, he is. He's got a good attitude. He's a good boy. So, you know, good luck to him. And what's he like as a player? I suppose that's the sort of burning question on everyone's lips at the moment. I'm sure there'll be loads of articles written about it. But what what do you see as his sort of strongest attributes? Uh, I mean, he's got he's he's only young. He's only 16, so you know he's got you know he's got a lot of developing still to do. But you know he's got good core techniques. So technically, he's a good player. Uh, athletically, he's quick. Uh, he plays tough. Uh, he's got a good appreciation of the game. He understands how how we want the game to be played. Uh, and, you know, credit to him, I think, when he's moved up and played with Critch in the 23s, he's done well. He's done well, so, you know, in, in terms of that, he's got a lot to do. He's got a lot of improvement to do, but, you know, we believe he's in the right place, he's in the right environment, and we'll continue to push him. And I suppose if he, if he was to make that step up, and it's similar to the question asked before, I suppose, where some players might make that step up and play, be in the first team squad one week, and then the next week they might be back down with you playing, playing away somewhere horrible. How do you deal with that? How do you sort of temper the expectations for the lads like that? Um, you know, listen, it's, uh, you know, it's, of course, you know, at the moment we're not in that situation with him, you know what I mean? So I don't want to get too carried away and say he's going to play, he's going to play here, he's going to have to drop down because that's all if buts and maybes. But, you know, he's a level-headed kid. He's got, you know, obviously he's got a real good support network with his mum and dad. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I would say that we've got a real strong support network at the academy in terms of obviously the coaching staff, Phil Roscoe, and, you know, you know, so, you know, we'll cross that bridge, you know, if and when we come to it, but, you know, he'll be fine. It'll be fine. And in terms of when you're when you're assessing the players, then is is there part of you which when you when you're looking at me, think maybe they're ready ready for you know further step ups and further things? Do you ever sort of relay that information to Alex Inglethorpe, or would that be his job to do? Because I was looking at some of them lads on the other teams today, thinking of you know number nine for Hertha Berlin, and he looks like he could just go and play in the Premier League tomorrow with the sort of physicality he had. Yeah, hopefully not, because we played him first thing in the morning, so hopefully he's <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, no, listen, it's not, it's not. You know, in terms of, you know, it's up to the boys to perform consistently, you know, you know, in, in terms of week to week and, you know, you know, turn them, them performances into consistent behaviours, you know, and, the, you know, 
the more they play and you know we've got a close eye on their development we talk a lot obviously as a staff in the academy and at the right times you know they'll get their opportunity you know and obviously that'll be for you know as i said before that'll be for alex to to make the necessary calls or in the necessary meetings you know my focus is just day to day keep working with the boys keep working as hard as we can and obviously if someone if someone thinks they're ready for the next step which is maybe the under 23s well great and then we you know and then we move on to the next one but the focus the focus really isn't us looking too far ahead you know it's making sure we're doing the work that needs to be done day to day and I suppose when, when you say not looking too far ahead, I'm just going to sort of con contradict you slightly there. In terms of Liverpool's success this season, how easy does that make the job for you in terms of motivating the lads to want to wanna be a part of that success and, and want to be at Liverpool and, you know, be putting in the hours in, in, on the training pitch with you and in, in the matches with you in the hope that, you know, it's going to pay forward at some point in the future? No, of course, of course. I mean, what the first team are doing at the minute, I mean, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? You know, for the, for the players probably involved, the staff, obviously the supporters. So, you know, it's a real exciting time and I don't think that's just a, a half-season thing. You know, you think from carrying on from the back end of last season and the way they finished uh, the league campaign, the Champions League. So, you know, it's, it's been a fantastic journey, I suppose, which I'm sure has got more, more positives to come. Uh, but, in you know, in terms for the boys, yeah, it's a huge motivation. The boys want to play in the Premier League and they want to play, they want to play for Liverpool. You know, I think there's a realisation that as the first team get better, as the first team improve, we've got to improve as well because that level that they have to bridge to try and get into the first team becomes, becomes more difficult. So, you know, that's what we remind the boys day to day. You know, if you're going to, you know, if you, if you want to get to where you want to be, that's a tough, it's a tough ask, you know, so as the, as the level gets bigger or as the level of the performance gets bigger, we've got to up our game as well. And we remind the boys of that pretty much daily, which they'll probably tell you. <laughs> uh, so, 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 yeah, you know, it's a, I'm sure it's a huge motivational factor, isn't it? And two of the players we spoke to you about before before we started recording this were obviously Bobby Duncan and Keanu Hu was the other one. For Bobby coming from Manchester City and you mentioned the sort of the, the wants to play for Liverpool there, how, how much have you seen that in him, that desire? Because you mentioned that there's other players who, who are sort of chomping at a bit within your squad and, and uh, a bit making all the right noises, but then Duncan's coming in and, and is scoring more goals probably than anybody expected him to do. Yeah, no, no, probably, you know, without, without selling him short, you know, we thought he scored the goals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, we did. You know, in terms of, you know, that's his, that's his quality. You know, the pair of them, to be fair, Paul Glatzel and Bobby, we knew we'd have a partnership there that would score goals. Uh, you know, I've said time and time again, you know, we've created a lot of chances for them. Uh, that's not saying it's easy to stick it away, but I think the service and the service that we've provided for them from midfield and the way we've played has really helped, you know, showcase their abilities as a pair. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, they come up with some big goals for us in, in big moments as well. You know, we've, we've, scored, we've scored a lot of late, late goals this season and, you know, they've kept the nerve and put the ball away. So, no, he, you know, he's done well. He's settled in again. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's, only, he's only new in. You know, he, he knows he's got part of his game to develop. Uh, he's working daily, as all the boys are, because he knows we've got players behind, chomping at the bit to try and get in. So if he takes his foot off the gas, you know, there'll be, there'll be someone ready to take his place and he knows that. And, you know, he is, he's working hard day to day on his game, so he's done well. But I think as a partnership, I think that's been really exciting for us. I think we've had a couple of boys up top who score goals. And, and when the other boys have come in as well, they've scored goals. So, yeah, it's probably been a real, uh, a real strong point of, <coughs> excuse me, of our game this season. You mentioned the style of play there. Is, is there an expectation on you to sort of get these boys in, into the sort of shape where they, where they could play for Liverpool's first team? I know you say that you don't look too far ahead, but would you have to sort of adopt the style of, of what the Liverpool first team yeah, does? No, of course, of course. You know, you know, you know, I'm not saying we've got to play identical to the first team, uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, you know we're, still, we're still developing, you know, and sometimes, you know, 
as I said before, you know, we want to we want to win every we, we want to win every game we play. Okay, but we you know we've got to take risks as well. And we, you know we have to develop boys to be comfortable in possession under pressure, and sometimes that carries risk. So you know, in terms of, in terms of the style, we like to think we play an attacking brand of football. I think the goals are suggest that the amount of goals we've scored. We're aggressive defensively. We press well, uh, and obviously in terms of that individual development part, will you know will come will come through as well. So so yeah, you know, it's probably yeah at the moment things things have things have gone well. You hoping to set the wheels in motion for a for a trophy winning season for Liverpool with a, with the big one tomorrow then? Uh, oh yeah, we'll see. We'll see tomorrow. Uh, as I say, the boys have done ever so well, and it's not it's not. We are really inexperienced at this type of, you know, we we we, we all came out as a as a as a team and with the staff as well just to see how teams did the subs because it's quite quick as you saw today. Five can come on, five can go off, and you've got to do it at the right time because the game doesn't stop. So. Uh, so yeah, we, you know, we, we, we've learnt on the job a little bit. We, you know, we had a number of things that we said to the boys that we wanted to be our non-negotiables that we do week in, week out in the in the bigger form of the game, and see if we could transfer them to the uh, to the six-a-side court today. And I, you know, I thought the boys did that. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see tomorrow. We'll see. Perfect, Barry. Nice one for your time, and nice one to Mercedes having us out here as well. And it is John Gibbons here, and I'm here to talk about the Star Sixers. Me and Sean Walsh were lucky enough to be invited by FansBet up this weekend, last weekend, should I say, uh, to the Star Sixers tournament. You might have seen it on Sky Sports. It was feisty, actually. A lot of uh, recently retired footballers, you've obviously still got that competitive spirit. Um, it was basically the home nations and the rest of the world team. Um, and I don't know if I can give spoilers. I guess you're not going to see it, but England beat the um, rest of the world team in, a, in an excellent final. But all weekend, the football was... Was yet to a high standard, and as I said, surprisingly competitive and, and really good fun. So nice one to fans Beth for inviting us up. Uh, one of the most renowned names in the tournament was Robert Pires, one of the best players as well. Um, I managed to catch up with him over the weekend and ask him what it was like to be back in England and captaining the rest of the world team, and this is what he said. Roberto Perez, it's great to see you in the UK. Uh, you've got an international team. You're the captain. How are you <laughs> gelling them all together? Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm very proud to be a captain uh, for the rest of the world. Uh, I have uh, a lot of responsibility because uh, they have uh, great uh, players uh, around me. Uh, this is a good uh, tournament, a uh, good location in uh, in Glasgow. Uh, atmosphere tonight it was uh, was so good, especially when uh, Scotland played in front of the fans. So. Yeah, it's, uh, I think uh, yeah, it should be a good uh, tournament for, for, of course, for the players, but I think even for the fans. In the first game, he scored a hat trick in about five minutes. You thought, oh, this is easy. No, <laughs> it's not. It's not easy. Uh, believe me, because uh, when you play, you know, some people uh, think it's a friendly game, but uh, it's not a friendly game because uh, when you play for your country or for the rest of the world, uh, you you are like professional, but. Uh, yeah, I'm a lucky man because uh, I scored that trick for the uh, for the first game. But the most important, you know, is always uh, to try to win, to uh, to try to play a good uh, a good football, especially for for the fans. So I repeat, I'm a captain, and I'm very proud uh, about the, my team. And obviously, you know, you know, for your time in the Premier League, have you been watching much of the Premier League this season? Have you been impressed with what Liverpool have done, what Manchester City are doing? I think he's a uh, it's a very good uh, Premier League competition because uh, they have a lot of teams uh, at the top uh, at the top level. Um, for the moment, uh, Liverpool are they are on a very good row. Uh, they are more, I think, more regular. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, I think, is one of the best managers in the, in the Premier League. Uh, he's very uh, he's very smart. Uh, 
he spent a good money for the good or very good uh, players. Uh, he built a very good team, very competitive for Premier League, for Champions League. So if I have one favourite, yeah, for me is Liverpool. Oh, fantastic to hear. And just before you go, we're all Liverpool fans, apart from, what, <laughs> apart from one guy in our office who's an Arsenal fan, Sam, and he always gets it in the neck. So maybe you can say hello to Sam for us. For who? Sam. For Sam? Yeah. Hello, Sam. I'm right, Ray. So see you, see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> And a nice little mention there for Sam at the end. He works in the office. He's used to getting stick from us for being an Arsenal fan, so I thought I'd do something quite nice for him there. So um, so there you go. And what a lovely fellow Bobby Perez was. And he's still great at foot. He scored a hat-trick in about five minutes in the first game. So, yeah, absolutely unreal. Nice to watch him up close. Um, but, yeah, from Robert Perez to Paul Jones, and that might be the first time that sentence has ever been used. Um, Paul Jones played for Liverpool only twice, but he can always say he played and he was made up to do so. And, yeah, after uh, Wales played, um, I managed to have a little chat with him about what it was like to play for Liverpool. Paul, quickly, um, Wales struggling a little bit, having quite a lot to do in goal there. Yeah, keep me busy. Uh, <laughs> it's not good to plan, really. A bit better there, we kept the ball better, but unfortunately... Uh... Just silly mistakes all the time since you're costing these games. You can't just give the ball away or if you don't stay with runners, there's always a problem. So. Having fun though, having fun with the boys? Oh, great fun. Yeah, good to see the lads. Obviously, you don't get together too often. Uh, see people different times, but you know, all the lads, you know, 60 players here at least. So it's great to catch up with some boys you either play with or obviously against over the time. Yeah, I want to talk to you about your Liverpool career uh, because it's, it's, I mean, there's, it's a remarkable story, really. The, the oldest ever debut since. I think that record's probably safe, is it? I think you'll probably have that forever. I think, yeah. I think so. <laughs> I don't think they'll be that desperate. <laughs> uh, no, it's amazing. I mean, I, I think everybody knows I was a Liverpool fan as a boy. Uh, growing up listening to, we didn't have a TV. We used to listen on the radio, like most people, I suppose, in the 70s. Obviously, 80s. Ray Clements is one of my favourite keepers. So it was all that history there. It was amazing to us. So just actually, uh, I mean, obviously, played at Anfield several times with Saints and one or two other clubs in it even Wales while the millennium was being built. So but to actually put a shirt on for Liverpool and run out there was just I felt I could touch the sign at last, you know what I mean? Because just walking out the tunnel touching the sign, it was pretty special. But you know, great, you know, beat Villa 1-0 at home as well. Uh only played the two games, but it, yeah, always, always stick in my memory, certainly. I remember the the, the game you played against Aston Villa clean sheets obviously, but the, the cop gave you a great elevation as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean they've always been great to most keepers, you know, and uh, obviously I think they appreciated a couple of injuries early and I came in, so I think they understood. I mean, I did have a chance to go and sign for a, for a club, and I just went, now. Nah, you know, there's a chance to go on loan and play for Liverpool. I'm, I'm taking it. Um, and literally 12 months later, I think it was, if, if not less than that, obviously we've come back from Watford in the League Cup. And, um, yeah, again, great, great, uh, um, you know, great applause for us. So it's it really special. Have you enjoyed watching Liverpool this season? Oh, magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Got better and better. Uh, obviously solid at the back now with Van Dijk. Alison in goal has just made such a difference, I think. <laughs> Sorry. Um, obviously, the way they've been playing. Oh, you know, disappointing Man City game. But, you know, you're virtually impossible to go through all season. Uh, but, you know, four points ahead at the end of the day, into January. Uh, looking good, as I say. Playing playing the right football. Touch with no injuries and so on. Great chance, great chance. Great chance uh, to be. He needs to come back. After 20, 29 <laughs> years, he needs to come back to Anfield, definitely. Certainly does. Oh, great to meet you. Really. Thank and another former Ed taking part, and another Welshman as well, was uh, Dean Saunders. He played for Liverpool in the 90s, of course. And he told me a little bit about what he thinks um, Liverpool chances of winning the league title and Liverpool's defence playing a vital part in that. So, yeah, this is Dean. So, Dean, as a striker and an ex-Liverpool player, you must be enjoying watching Liverpool going forward this year. Well, I'm going the other way, really. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they've only let... Well, it's, it's 10 now, isn't it? 10 goals in after the Man City game. But they, you know, Van Dijk's made a difference... 
I think the club's going in the right direction. They're, they're playing like a team, defending like a team. I think if you look back at what's changed, the, obviously the goalkeepers come in. There's nothing worse for a defence if you don't trust your goalkeeper, which no disrespect to Carrius, and I hope he resurrects his career because what happened to him in the final was you don't want any, anybody to go through that. But let's hope he comes back stronger. But at the time, when you're a defender and you're looking back and you, and you, and you don't trust your goalkeeper, um, it makes them nervous. But I think the manager's done brilliantly well. He's, he's, he's brought Van Dijk in, who's made a difference to Lovren. He's made a difference to Gomez. Robertson's working off Van Dijk, so he's now got a leader to follow because he's a young lad. Uh, Trent Arnold's the same. He's got, a, he's got someone to look along the line with who's commanding where we defend today. We're up or we're back or we're deep or we're on the halfway line. Um, and he's made a difference to the whole back four. And I'm, uh, when you look at Lovren's half volley that he scores up the other end of the pitch, that I'm giving an assist to Van Dijk because if you turn the clock back to Hoffenheim away, when he's getting run down the left channel, because Moreno's out of position again, and he's, he's giving penalties away every week, that was a broken man who looked like on the brink of leaving the club. Van Dijk's come in. And all of a sudden, he's in the other box, hitting half volleys in the top <laughs> corner. So he looks, he looks, a, a, it's amazing what a couple of players do. And then he's obviously looked at the midfield, which I think stood out against Man City that their midfield was better than Liverpool's. And he's signed Keita and Fabino, um, who are two good players. And I think Keita's going to end up a really, really good player. I'm surprised he's not starting, to be honest, but he's had a few injuries. And the front three are unstoppable. I mean, they scored, Firmino scored again. Um, at Man City, so one of them normally causes havoc every week. Mane had five one-on-ones against Arsenal, so it's easy working a plan out to stop them, but they're that quick. Yeah. And Wijnaldum's had a good season, and he's 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 doing well. James Milner's had a good season. Henderson's got a good attitude, but the three of them together are obviously more of a stopping midfield than they are a creative midfield. So I think the manager looking going forward, he'll probably look at that situation and think, who can I put in there? Somebody like Javi Alonso. Who can actually control the game? You know, somebody like him who, who can actually you can run the ball through him every time you get it. Um, and them three are probably James is a good athlete, Jordan Henderson's a good athlete, and when Alan's a good athlete, but they're not they're not like Jan Mulby or Paul Scholes that type of player. Um, but you've played in front of the Liverpool fans. You'll know how much it'll mean to them to win the league if they can do it after after 29 years. They, they deserve it, don't they? After all the kind of you know years of. You know, you wouldn't say heartbreak because there's been trophies, but that league title is the one, the one that all Liverpool fans want. Yeah, and they've been building and building. The manager's like had a look at what's wrong. Um, I said earlier, without being too critical of him, he got Moreno out of the team. Robertson's come in, made a massive difference. Mm -hmm. If your left back's not in the right position, then your left side centre half's going to get destroyed. Um, and that's what was happening when they were letting goals in. So he's put that right. He's signed Shakiri for 12 million, which looks like the best buy of the season. Yeah. I thought at the time, 13 million, whatever it was. So he's had a look at that. If what happens if them two get injured? He's, looked, he's had a look at the midfield. The, the, the board have given him 200 and odd million to spend, and they want something back for it. They don't give you 200 and odd million and say, what are you going to do, finish third, finish second? He's obviously told them we can win something. So he's going in the right direction, and you're allowed to lose to Man City. You know, if it, they've just got to put that result behind them. They're four points clear, still a big gap, um, although they've closed it, but you know that there's not many defences can stop that front three. 
So it's John Gibbons for the Anfield Wrap, and I'm joined by Nick from Bands FC, amongst other things, I must say, but we're here to talk about Bands FC and the wonderful exhibition uh, that's in the uh, British Music Experience at the moment, which is right on the pierhead, which is well worthy of a visit anyway. Uh, come down if you if you if you visit the city, or obviously you live here and you've not been down yet. But extra special reason is this fantastic. Bands FC kind of exhibition. I mean, I mean, Nick, you've you've taken over a couple of rooms, really. You've even um, you've even annexed the cafe. Yeah, yeah, we do, well, we've all our stuffs in the bits that are sort of free to get in. So there's the the, ex, the exhibition itself is a is a brilliant thing at the British Music Experience. But we've kind of thought, you know, we've took over uh, uh, a bit of the shop, a bit of the cafe, and then this sort of uh, little room at the side. So you can come down, grab a cup of coffee, look round for nout, uh, buy a couple of button badges or not, and, uh, and 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 have a little thing. We've we've done a special poster which is sort of our uh, bands that are related to Liverpool on one sort of print, so you can have a look at that. And you know, from from the obvious like the Beatles to uh, new bands like Circa Waves and She Drew the Gun, and you know, bands like that. So, I mean, the, the concept is combining football and music. It's doing it through, through sort of band emblems, and I guess you never expected it to kind of go this far. So, for exhibitions in New York, and, and people have just got taken to it and are throwing ideas at you all the time. I'm sure, and people just love it, don't they? Yeah, it's like I suppose you know you've got uh, music, football, and design. There's not many people that don't like some aspect of that, and it's like you know, with something uh, when we started doing it. Funnily enough, Liverpool was the first. Uh, stop for us because um, we're me and Mark who do it. We we were uh, we're big Echo and the Bunnymen fans, and then Liverpool have got this quite complex badge that's got lots of things on it, including you know some some text and stuff like that. And the first one we did was there, and we, you know you've got reference to Bring on the Dancing Horses, Killing Moon, all sorts of things encapsulated in the Bunnymen's favourite team. And then the, the next one after that, because that's got. You know, we could put fate up against your will, um, actually sort of written uh, in the sort of raw iron that's on the original badge. And then that was followed quite quickly by Wu-Tang Clan, who have absolutely no connection <laughs> with Wolverhampton Wanderers, apart from the Wolves badge has no uh, text on it. It's just this emblem, yet you can recognise it from the colours and the, um, the, the symbol. And then we thought, is there a band that has that? And of course, Wu-Tang Clan... So they've since become the uh, either we don't know which is best, Mol Molin Wu Tang Clan or uh, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, quite a lot of the bands have have taken to them, have enjoyed them themselves. We were talking about uh, She Drew the Gun before, who are a brilliant sort of whittle artist slash band, and they used the, the their badge on, on Soccer AM when they went on, and lots of the lots of the bands have, have kind of got in touch and said how much they, they enjoy them. Yeah, it was, um, we've, and we've done a lot of the sort of enamel badges where we've worked directly with the bands. They've chosen a charity, and um, we've we've uh, raised money. So we're just about to do one with Suede. We've just done one with Manic Street Preachers. We've done the Charlatans, Public Service Broadcasting. The most mind blowing one was probably when um, we we actually went one step further and, and made and and did some shirts um, with using the designs. And we've done a Sheffield Wednesday design where the owl becomes Jarvis Cocker, but is still hugely recognisable as, uh, as, as the Sheffield Wednesday badge. Um, and Nick Banks got in touch with us. He's, he's got the most amazing music and football connection. He's the drummer in Pulp, and he's also the nephew of Gordon Banks. 
who was in goal in the uh, 1966 World Cup final. So it was like the, these crossovers kept sort of happening. And, and he said, Nick said he loved the shirt and he'd shown it Jarvis. And would there be a chance to make some? So we did and we took orders for them. And in 24 hours, we raised £30,000 for Sheffield Children's Hospital, selling these shirts, posting them all over the world when they got made. Um, the, other, the first shirts we actually made was, uh, got a good Liverpool connection, which was Lightning Seeds. We did their badge as, well, the three lions, uh, switched the roses that are on the, um, on, on the England badge for strawberries that are on Jollification, the yeah. uh, Lightning Seeds album. And the band saw them. And we're like, can you make some of these? And we made them and they, they wore them for a gig. So it was what, what I call, call kind of pub chat. <laughs> uh, you know, you'd just be having a laugh with three mates, drink a bit too much and forget what you'd said. Um, so we're just in the room now and there's Franz Ferdinand one just over there. We'd had this idea that Everyone got a bit caught up with, there's a good one where people said, Lee Mavers is a big Everton fan. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're going to do, well, LA Galaxy have got La <laughs> written on their badge. So yeah. how we could do a different one. Yeah. So we, we, we didn't get caught up. I'd said to a few people on Twitter, if we did it where people were from or who they supported, we'd have got bored really quickly. But, you know, people saying, the cure, the cure, they're from Crawley. <laughs> and uh, you think, yep, well, they did a song called A Forest. And they go, ooh. And, you know, people take to it or not. And there are some people get quite uh, vociferous about how uh, sacrilegious it is. But um, say with Franz Ferdinand, we did a few different colorways of that badge. And we, we kind of tweeted him and said, anybody got any preference as to which colors it should be? And Alex Kapranos said, the one on the top right. <laughs> and he's the singer in the band. So we thought, well, we'll do that. Yeah, and it was based on, we quite like, you know, they're, is it Edinburgh they're from or Glasgow? They're certainly Scottish, aren't they? Yeah. But we didn't want to go down that. You know, Glasgow, especially, oh my goodness, you get that wrong with Rangers and Celtic and it's a meltdown. So, but there's a, a link to Franz Ferdinand from Schoolboy History, um, which is, the real Archduke Franz Ferdinand was shot dead in Sarajevo. Um, and that's the FK Sarajevo badge. And it kind of suited Franz Ferdinand the band because they're, you know, they're a little bit arty, <laughs> a little bit booky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the bands kind of in places uh, are kind of thrown together in, in unlikely ways. The, the air one I really like, not just because it's a really nice design, but also the idea of French synth pop and Scottish lower league football being thrown yeah, exactly. together. And the fact that we never realised till we did it, but um air the name comes from amor imagination and rev you know so it's the initials for uh which is quite footbally their name is the you know for the, the uh, and we found those kind of links that at one time all club badges were the the crest of the of the place so but certain things crept in to change that because number one they didn't own the rights to, uh, number two, it was four unicorns on a chair, breathing fire, holding <laughs> up a shield, and you couldn't make it into recognizable. One of the first ones that people um, uh, pick out in football design was the Nottingham Forest one, which they put a tree to represent Sherwood Forest. Yeah. Underneath it is some water to represent the trends. Well, you can produce that in tiny detail on a 
badge on a whatever and it became recognized and it's got quite a 70s design feel that sort of people call it the smiley face one and to me it has a big liverpool connection is that love leads one mm -hmm. and um, on the original badge it's lu the initials i my brother was a big leeds fan i saw that badge a million times i never knew it was lu <laughs> for leeds united i just thought it was a nice little thing and um you know love are like an honorary scouse band every every uh uh, they're at the top of the sort of family tree almost. No, as a trumpet player, I think I've got a lot of work on the back of the Forever Changes album because everyone at Liverpool's just trying to be crazy. And he's, Arthur Lee actually used a Liverpoolian band, didn't yeah. he, for his, for his... So, and you know, and our, I'm much more from the world of music in my knowledge and stuff, but I grew up in the 70s and 80s and, um, the, the, you know, in that time, the, the football stickers, you know, it's no... It's no mistake that they look like football cards or stickers because you've got that thing, that sort of thrill of seeing that one you wanted to see. Um, and, you know, it's funny, there's a quite a funny one with Death Cab for Cutie. Um, uh, so they're linked with Derby County. Well, as a kid, I was a Derby County fan. Uh, you know, total glory hunter of when they, when at one time they did well. And, um, you know, if I saw the letters DCFC written somewhere, my heart skipped to beat as they were being written about in Shoot or whatever. <laughs> and then years later, you're reading Q magazine and references to DCFC are Death Cab for Cutie. And then it was kind of funny because Death Cab picked up that badge and did a thing. They said it was like, oh, hi, DCFC official, which is Derby County. Because um, in, that, in those very few words, they were saying, because on Twitter... Death Cab are at DCFC, Derby yeah. County are at DCFC official. So they're recognizing this thing that Derby County must have got tweets that said, oh my God, that second album is brilliant. <laughs> uh, the fourth track just makes me cry. But also Death Cab for Cutie would be getting tweets going, you need to get rid of that centre forward, it's useless. <laughs> and, and they were probably yeah. unaware of each other, you know, until the moment of being sort of, and we actually permanently put them together. So, I mean, what next for, for Souls of Bands FC then? You've got this fantastic exhibition which is in Liverpool until, do you know how long it's here? Yeah, it's in uh, until um, uh, Sunday, which is, is that the, that's the 13th. And then we're going to go to a place called Pop Rex in um, Sunderland, which is some friends of ours, Frankie and the Heartstrings. Yeah. They've got a brilliant community project. Um, you know, bands like the Vaccines, the Charlatans and Edwin Collins have all played there and they do what they can to... Um, to raise funds and keep these sort of community things going. So we're going to take it up there, see what money we can raise for them. Um, and just, it's quite nice, get to see people. We've, you know, we, we, we knew some of the people at, at the British Music Exposition. It just brings you along here to, to kind of like spend a bit of time. And it's sort of, you know, if I could send a message to the 15 year old me going, mate, you're going to be doing a thing where you make button badges <laughs> and it's like football thing. I'd think, whoa, I made it. Yeah. Whereas to the outside world, I'm not sure I have made it. I think always doing what your 15-year-old self would think was cool is not a bad way to kind of live your life at all. Uh, do try and get down to uh, British Music Experience. Uh, it's right on the pier head. Um, and come down and, and enjoy everything that there is here, but especially the Bands FC thing, because it just looks absolutely fantastic. But Nick, great stuff. All right, thanks very much. Cheers. So positive thoughts there on the Reds all around. Most of the people who I spoke to over the weekend fancy, still fancy Liverpool to win the title. This is after, after, obviously, the Manchester City defeat, but people are still back in the Reds, so we should do as well. If you want to see 
more from the Soccer Sixers tournament, head over to our Twitter account, which is obviously at theanfieldwrap.com. We've got about six minutes of the, of the highlights. Uh, there's absolutely loads on the fans' bet, Twitter as well, all the kind of goals for the weekend and action, and uh, Jason McAteer giving Michael Owen a bit of a volley as well. So have a look on their Twitter too. But yeah, in the meantime, back to Neil. It's the weekend. Uh, Neil Atkinson, Dan Morgan talking about Reds Bet. Uh, we want you to part. We are partnered with Reds Bet, and what we'd like you to do is, if you are someone who gambles, please think about doing so with them. If it's not for you, that's absolutely acceptable. And always be gamble aware, and that is begambleaware dot org. Uh, we're going to run through the specials uh, as they are. Good news. Go ahead. From the Reds' point of view, we're actually in all those picks. Uh, so we? Aldo normally is, you know, he's very much a, uh, a straight, you know, a, a bit, a bit of a, you know, he very much backs sees himself as a bit of a favourite backer I think and then gets Reds bet to improve the prices and he's gone with West Ham Liverpool and Chelsea all to win uh, 5-1 to one for West Ham Liverpool and Chelsea all to win so you've got West Ham have got Arsenal at home uh, so that's an interesting one Chelsea at home to Newcastle and Liverpool away to Brighton what do you think of that one? Oh I'm half tempted you know in, in the I mean the kick is obviously Chelsea but Benitez is very much in the mould of doing a number at the minute, isn't he? He's very much in the doing a number type of Rafa mood. So it's worth an outside little punt, I think. I'd, not something I'd, I'd be lumping on, but if you've got a spare five, what else is it? It's, 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 it's five to one for West Ham to beat Arsenal, Liverpool to beat Brighton and Chelsea to beat Newcastle. Chelsea are at home. Yeah, I think that's I'd have a little go with that. I think that one's interesting. Yeah, I do. Another one I like, 24 to one. And this one hasn't come up yet. Alisson to save a penalty versus Brighton. I like that. See, I like that. In that, you know, there's you can imagine a few set plays. You can imagine a few, a few situations where Brighton might be asking for a few things in terms of fouls in the box, holding and stuff like that. So, I fancy him to save a penalty as well. He's quite imposing, isn't he? And if he wears pink tomorrow, I mean, no matter what he wears, but if he wears pink, he's, he's saving everything. He's saving absolutely everything. Uh, another one for you, uh, which I like the look of Liverpool to score in both halves, even money. Yeah, I'm, I'd be all over that, to be honest. Um, there's a reaction needed, isn't there, from Liverpool, but also the uh, the concept of when we've seen them wearing teams down in these games, especially away from home over the last few months, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be maybe doubling that up with something, maybe another game. I, I think, you know, I think your other game, your, your Arsenal-West Ham game, you could double it up with that. It's a good shout. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, other last little one uh, to go through is... Um, Liverpool to win and both teams to score. That's two to one. I don't like that actually. I I I feel as though this is good. To me, this all feels like if if it goes well for Liverpool, I think it goes really well. So I'm not. That's what I'm not into. I'm sort of putting it out there as one I can't really quite get behind. Liverpool to win and both teams to score at two to one. I think if you do that bet, I think it's one of them where you're probably clinging on to Brighton getting some kind of consolation in the last twenty. And I think if you're in that situation, it's less likely to come than it would in the first half an hour 45 so I'm with you on that I'm inclined to think that if it goes 2-0 or past 2-0 I can't see them getting even a mere consolation would you if you're just I mean, we didn't do a little bit of this on the at the end so I, but I didn't mean to ask it would you be tempted to, if you were Hooten to do Murray last half an hour rather than doing first 60 I think that there is there is an argument for that but it's it's. I mean again it all depends on where you are in that last half an hour you've got to you've got to throw all your legs in still being in some semblance of a game of football and it's very possible that you're not by that point. So I think, I think if he's playing percentages, he doesn't from the start because then you know he, he he can't really get slated for for yeah. not having him from then. So and I just wonder if there's a personality thing, which is this could be the last time Murray gets to play Liverpool. 
Yeah, and he, and he may well be saying, "Listen, I just want to play this game." Yeah, 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 yeah. And and there's probably a part of Glen Murray that probably thinks he's, he should have scored in the last three games against Liverpool twice this season, uh, last season, and once this season. And he's probably thinking, "I'm due one here." Indeed. All right. Thank you very much to Dan. Uh, it is Reds Better. They are partners with the Anfield rapper uh, RedsBet.com. Give them a shout if you're interested in that sort of thing. But as I say, if you're not, that's absolutely up to you. Football Flash with Lizzie Doyle and Neil Atkinson to talk to Ray Moran, who's entered as a subscriber this week to win a piece of Anfield Rap merchandise. Do you want the dog lead, Ray? Uh, yeah, if it's going, yeah, I'll take it. You take the dog lead if it's going. Well, you can choose. I mean, I'll sort that out so you can choose. You can you can speak to Lizzie or John yeah. if, if you win. If you get eight out of ten questions right, that are all on Football Flash. Uh, it's an app very much worth downloading. Lizzie's using it a lot, aren't you, Lizzie? Yeah, I'm, I'm all over Football Flash now. <clears throat> Honestly, everything I, I base, agendas, quizzes, <laughs> it's all football flash. So if you want to win a T-shirt at some point, download it because that, that is my source. It is, it is the source for this, but it's also the source for everything. So we've got eight questions for Ray, for him to get himself right the way through. Uh, first one, Ray, it's not actually one that's going to count, so it's 11 questions, but are we going to get a result against Brighton at the weekend? <laughs> uh, I hope so, yeah. I would uh, I would say the Wolves game was a bit irrelevant now with the team we put out, so I'd like to think, I'd like to think we'll get back to winning ways now against Brighton. I'd be quite confident. I'm glad you're quite confident. I'm mildly concerned, but that's right the way through the show. <laughs> um, the first one, therefore, from uh, that Lizzie has written is: Which Liverpool starless has been linked with a loan move to Hull today? Uh, ben Woodburn. One out of one. We're flying. We've come alive. Most Salah won what award for the second year in a row earlier this week? The African Player of the Year. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, which Chelsea defender has been linked with Liverpool in this transfer? Not Chelsea. Bloody hell. That's the next question. Oh, God. I made a complete mess of this. We'll just go right the way through. Which Burnley defender has been linked with Liverpool in this transfer window? Uh, James Tarkovsky. Excellent stuff. Right. Think about the, the thing that I just missaid a minute ago. Alisson has come okay. out in an interview recently and say he chose Liverpool over which Premier League team? Uh, I would hazard a guess and say Chelsea. Well done. Uh, That's so clever, so knowledgeable. Yeah, let's play it cool. That's four out of four. Uh, Who is the 16-year-old who came on for Big Dexy Lovren in Liverpool's third round FA Cup tie against Wolves on Monday? Key Jenna Hoover. Excellent stuff. Uh, Which Brighton, that's five out of five, which Brighton player is away with the Asia Cup and unavailable for selection against Liverpool? Is this uh, the Iranian player, Jeff? Jahan Kabash or Jahan something. Jahan It's not he's injured. It's Matt Ryan. Uh, oh, Matt Ryan, of course. Of course, yeah. Yeah, but it's all right. So you, you, you're five out of six. Uh, which former okay. Liverpool midfielder is rumoured to be on his way out of Barcelona? Coutinho. It is Coutinho. That puts yeah. you on six out of seven. Uh, which Arsenal midfielder will be joining Juventus at the end of the season? Uh, Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey is right. That's seven out of eight. I'm going to get the one more right. Divock Origi is being eyed by which Premier League club, according to Football Flash? West Ham. Ah, eight out of nine. That's Happy the winner. Days. Last little one. Liverpool, which Liverpool legend has blamed FSG for our FA Cup exit? Oh, um, Steve Nicholl. Steve Nicholl, indeed. That's going to come in the last hour. Uh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely out there stuff from uh, from the Liverpool great Nicholl himself. Uh, but, yeah. you know, we are where we are. So that is nine out of ten. So you can't argue with that, Ray. Um, and no, brilliant. Brilliant. We will get you a piece of merchandise. I reckon you go for the T-shirt. What size are you, Ray? Or do you not want to say that on air? Uh, I will go for a medium. Medium. Yeah. Excellent I'm not, stuff. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, very few of the Anfield Raps fans and followers are spelt right. So, you know, there should be loads of, <laughs> should be loads of mediums in stock. Andy Heaton's here giving me the visas. Andy is indeed spelt. Um, so we will, we will get all of that. Uh, we'll get all of that over to you. And uh, thank you very much indeed for, for entering and winning. Uh, nine out of ten for Ray. Uh, not the full ten. Only one's done that so far, I think. Uh, but very well done indeed. Well and let's, done. Let's get back over to the rest of the show. A little football flash correction for you. Uh, Jakan Batch is actually away with the Asia Cup on the uh, site that I tend to use to check things. It said he was out, uh, but I double-checked and went back on football flash onto the Brighton page this time and had a look. And, yeah, he is out with the Asia Cup. Uh, so, yeah, I, teach me a lesson for using uh, for, <laughs> for using alternative sites. Uh, gets me into terrible trouble, this sort of thing. So, Jakan Batch, that was right. Therefore, Ray is on 10 out of 10. It was Jakan Batch and Matt Ryan, both of them uh, unavailable. So, he can have one of them. Uh, He's on 10 out of 10 and has also now joined top of our leaderboard insofar as we've got one. Uh, but I knew that a few of you will probably be shouting at your radios or your or your your, uh, your, your podcasting devices uh, off the back of that one. Uh, all the best. And if you do get the opportunity to download Football Flash, please do do so. We had Steve on earlier in the year, lovely fella, and uh, he's trying to do something really interesting with his app. So if you do get the opportunity to do so, do go there. Welcome back. I've got Jay, Dan and Mel with me. Just a brief shout out for Bruce Grabelar's night at the Hilton on the 8th of February. If you can get the opportunity, Dan Hilt came on and talked about the book uh, and she mentioned this, but uh, you can go and there's a meet and greet uh, 6 to 8 and then the food is being served from 8 o'clock. So it's at ticketquarter.co.uk. If you search for Bruce Grabelar, you'll find it there. The night's called Celebrating Bruce Grabelar and it's everything that he's up to and it's on the 8th of February. Uh, the 8th of February starting at 6pm. Uh, get yourself down if you fancy that. Uh, okay then, uh, Ton of big nights, big occasions. Brighton and Hove Albion theoretically should not be quite what it is, but given all the context, Mel, uh, I can do the thing that I'm going to do as a running joke between now and uh, the end of the season. It's the biggest game for Liverpool since 1990. <laughs> um, but it, it isn't, and we know it isn't, but it is. I think it's hugely significant that Liverpool obviously get the points because we know that with the league. We know that with the situation. That's That goes without saying. We've got to aim for 100 points and keep going until we get there. But I think it's also probably important Liverpool put in an assured performance as yeah. well. I think authority is very important to just reassert that, hey, we're here, we're serious, we don't plan on giving up what we've got. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting fixture that comes after, you know, needing to respond from, from the City defeat. I know people are factoring in the Wolves' results as well, but I don't think it's about that actually it's it's about bouncing back from from the city defeat um and brighton are going to make it considerably hard to do that because they will be ridiculously obstructive uh and you know they were they were quite good when they came to anfield they obviously know that there might be defensive weaknesses to exploit they're really good at scoring from set pieces they're also really good at converting their uh, clear-cut chances, the best in the league for for both of those things. However, I think their six home defeats have come from, you know, five of the top six. They've never before played a team at the top of the table in the Premier League. So this will be the first time they're facing, you know, first place um, at home. And I wonder how much they possibly will be able to to hold out that obstructive approach and, and frustrate Liverpool because the issue is once you bypass, you know, and get your first goal, then Liverpool, the patience is in your play and, and all those things. And the big thing for me is if that 
if that first goal from Liverpool takes a while to come, they have to, have to, have to keep their heads. Because we've seen them at points still lose their their composure and try pot shots from all over the place. Um, and that, yeah, just needs to not happen. There's a comparison with the Bournemouth game. And I think it's fair to say it's not just going to the South Coast. It's coming up against a stout opposition, an opposition that you can talk up um, and be impressed by. I think it's, you know, in terms of the statistics there that Mel mentions, uh, to be honest with you, Dan, it is also worth pointing out that, you know, patience may well be important. My other thing would be Matt Ryan's out. They've got a mm. second-choice goalkeeper in there. There's a cut that they haven't quite got injuries. Second uh, choice goalkeepers love having a blinder against Liverpool, don't they? That, that is that is <laughs> that's both. I've got to say it's both a positive and a negative because you do think that, but there is. It's not Willie Caballero, is it? It's not Willie Caballero. Oh, well, all right, then. It's David Button. Um, there is. There is something about Brighton that, that can concern you. You can talk yourself into being concerned, is I think the thing. But Liverpool, if they perform as they were performing mm. in the in across the whole of December, if they play December's football, then I think Liverpool win the game. I think it's a massive thing, but you know, it's not just December, it's the whole of 2018. The whole calendar year, Liverpool near enough went a whole year winning games of football. And I think that often gets overlooked sometimes. And and I think what I'm I'm being slightly cute in that, but I think what I mean is that this side is is used to winning games of football. It knows how to win games of football. Mm. This Brighton team have got, despite them, I agree with Mel, despite them being probably only second to City, I think, in my opinion, the best side to come to Anfield this season in terms of containing Liverpool. Um, they've got a muscle memory of us putting five past them at their place last season. They've got a muscle memory of them missing an absolute sitter and the ball being in the back of their net four passes later. And... Those type of things are often things we overlook because, you know, this all feels very high wire now for for the margins that we're we're dealing with in terms of a four point lead at the top of the Premier League. But at the same time, Liverpool have got a lot in the bank in terms of just what they've done over the whole of two thousand eighteen, not just December, the whole of that year where they you know they routinely put four past teams, five past teams and, and one at a canter. And I'm not saying it's going to be that easy again. We've got issues, you know, we know we have particularly at centre-half. But at the same time, Brighton have a lot more to fear from us than we do with them. Centre-half, uh, I thought Fabinho played well against Wolves. Um, I have no fear, particularly, in asking them to go and play central defence next to Virgil van Dijk. I'm not up night about that one, Jay. I think that's... Like to play centre-half with Virgil van Dijk, he's that good. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that happen. Uh, the only oh, problem, mate, Jay... I'd love to see it happen if you want to make it happen, by the way. If, Jay... we're, if we're offering them... But the problem, Jay, is that you're left-sided, mate, and Virgil likes to play that side. There'll be controversy. Virgil will be saying to you, Jay... I'm not planning to play. I'm just planning to marvel at him. Well, just get that ball and watch him get it. I I'll add that closer to me, but you can well get there fast. Brilliant. There you are, Fabinho's just going to stand there and do it, if, if he's got any sense. That's what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to actually see... what You could end up seeing an all-action Fabinho's going to play a pass. Virgil van Dijk's just going to look at him the way he does and just go... Why didn't you give me that to me to do that? I'll tell you what, I'd love to see Glenn Murray playing on Jay McKenna for his headers. <laughs> Virgil will do that one. <laughs> you can't keep passing Glenn Murray off, off Jay. Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't keep passing him over. Watch me. I'll be sat, I'll be sat next to Alisson. I'll be stood against the post going at that lad. I didn't say I didn't say he'd be very good players since that. I played them all on, but Virgil's there, isn't he? No, I think he... I, I, <laughs> Sweep up here, Virgil. I'm not winning this, lad. Yeah. <laughs> Chatting to Neil. I'm talking to Neil in the crowd. Shut yeah. up. Deal with that lad because uh, he's that good. Um, which he probably is, to be fair. Uh, no, I, yeah, I think I, I think given the where we're at, there's no reason to put a load of pressure on the young lad 
Hoover, uh, is it Hoover I say his name? Yeah. That's how we're going to say his yeah, name, yeah. isn't it, really, anyway? Um, it is actually how you say it as well, I think, oh, and everyone's trying to be, I was trying to do a Hoover, yeah, and actually just Hoover, mate. Yeah, just that's fine, because everyone's going to call it, if he's not called Henry by the end of the season, then I don't know what we're doing. Um, but I think, you know, you play for being, you know, he's played football, he's fit, he's, he's able to do that job, he's composed, you, you, you play him there, I think, you know, and I, and I want to see us do that, because I want us to almost, the win I want is just to go back to saying, Liverpool are just doing what they've done before the Man City game now, don't worry everybody. You know, we, we're convincingly winning games, we're not really looking like it's a big struggle, like it's a major achievement, we're just doing what we need to do. And I, I, that's what I want to see, and I want to see Fabinho do the same thing. Oh, we haven't got no sense in half. All right, Sand, watch this. I think a big um, element of Liverpool is the cool, calm heads in the squad. And, you know, we're speaking about Virgil van Dijk, and he's the epitome of it, but I think Alisson as well, Wijnaldum... Henderson, you go through that squad and it's a bunch of grown-ups that aren't going to overreact or get too carried away or, or too disheartened. And for me, that's one of the biggest differences between this Liverpool team and 13-14 because there was so much giddiness in 13-14. Even from, you know, there was obviously from a fan perspective, they're still from a fan perspective this season because that's, as fans, that's what you're supposed to do. But in terms of the squad, I think Liverpool have killer, a lot of killer instinct. And I don't just mean that in an, you know, attacking sense, but in just a general sense of, of how they handle things. And it, even, you know, when you look at the, the forwards as well, Roberto Firmino seems like nothing... Yeah. You know, nothing yeah, absolutely phases him. Yeah. Looks like, yeah. Um, yeah. And and I, and I think that is a very significant mm. element in in terms of you know when you ask all these questions, will they bounce back? Can they? They've conceded a first home league goal for the year against Arsenal. Can they? Come, you know, two minutes later they answer that question, and then three minutes later they answer it again emphatically. So I think because of these sort of characters in the squad, you will see Liverpool just, you know, dust off that City yeah. defeat and go again. The thing I want now is a clean sheet, and I think that what because what you will get now you'll get the vultures circling, and they'll be looking for holes in this in this Liverpool side, and they'll say Liverpool are weak here. This is where Liverpool potentially might come undone for the rest of the season, and I think. The type of resolve Liverpool need to show now, like you guys said before, is that they just they give away nothing to anyone. So Chelsea 5 or 6 is a really good example. They get beat once all season by Man United. I think they go the next five without conceding a goal. And everyone just knows where they are again in the food chain. It's like, oh, there we go again, yeah. yeah. As people are probably like, thinking with Man City Liverpool now, need to kill hope over the next five games. And they've got the opportunity to do that with the fixtures. They need to kill the hope of everyone else. And they need to make everyone else feel like Liverpool are just going to carry on winning again. And they got really good at that up until the last two games. And it's understandable because they're not invincible. And then they shouldn't be expected to win every game of football. But what they need to do now going forward is be ruthless in that they give nothing away. They give absolutely nothing away. You want, to, you want, to, you want the rest of January to be like what December was? Or just like no one getting a sniff? Yeah, you that, hope, I, yeah. I want Liverpool to do that anyway for the next four. I think that's how you... That's how... That's where you judge Liverpool next. You don't judge Liverpool still on Saturday. I think you say to Liverpool, Liverpool win the next four. Man City have got to say to themselves, OK, we're going into a tough period now for ourselves in February and we've got less games now to make up that gap and it's still minimum four points. I think that's a harder thing for Man City to have to deal with. You win on Saturday, Man City have got to win the next day kind of thing. I want Man City to have to keep thinking we've got to keep winning. 
So I think you, you go to Bournemouth and you just turn up and you, you want to do the same thing. And I think I think you're right about the clean sheet thing. You get back onto that thing of, oh my God, it's hard to even score against these lads, let alone yeah. beat them. It's, you know, that kind of thing to happen again. Brighton, not Bournemouth. But it's all right. Whoever they are, Bees, South Coast. Bees, South Coast. Right, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, to be honest, I'm just getting giddy playing. Mel's just said then about, you know, these <laughs> you, players, no, she's these not. players don't get giddy. And I'm thinking, oh my God, they haven't played with me centre-half. I was about to say, the reason why you're not playing centre-half is she wants to pick cool heads. Yeah. And Jürgen's had a look and he, see, and he said, I don't fancy McKenna for this one. He's not going to keep his powder dry. I'll just tell him it's a Bournemouth, he'll go straight there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what he saw me. It's not a text. Yeah. What do you mean we're playing Brighton, lads? Yeah, yeah. Bournemouth, get yourself over. Um, yeah. Pick me a team or more accurately, I'll pick you on. Uh, Will not involve McKenna, Allison and Goal. Allison and Goal, Alexander Arnold, Fabinho, Van Dyke, Robertson. Any anyone dissenting from no, that? No. No, no dissent from that. Slides. From three, Salah, Firmino, Mane, all play. No dissent from that. Okay. All three of you in part one wanted to pick Keita, so Wijnaldum, Henderson, Keita. Is that the consensus like of this that, yeah. table? Yeah. Is he fifth, Henderson? I think the expectation is he will yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. should be. Um, so Henderson, Wijnaldum, Keita. Yeah. Yeah? I think I've got a Milner question. Just, just generally, because. For, for, well. I never want to see that midfield again. So it better be for one of them too. I mean, I think that, that midfield's all right against the Brighton. I get, I get the argument against the City or the Paris. I reckon it'll come too soon. I think, I think some of that fans will have a heart attack if they see that midfield. Not anything. I think you do a rotation where you just give a player a game kind of thing. And that's where I can see a Keita. I wasn't seeing it. I'd have probably played Jaquiri, but I can see the argument for Keita. The only way to put Milner in the team, you'd probably have to do Hendo and Jenny as, as the double pivot or... Or something like that, but mm. I, I want to see. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I I want to see Cater being given the opportunity to come good because I think longer term, he'll be more important to Liverpool than you know James Milner, who's aging. So I think the opportunities for Cater at the moment are, are more important. Obvious, but then there is the case of the here and now. So, know, th- is Milner the safer bet? I think. Yeah, he wants but Milner I don't. The- I don't think Liverpool can do it safe. But Mel, I think if you want Milner on the pitch, you might put him right back. He could do that, yeah. Which he also did at Bournemouth. Yes, yes. He I could. think he's got eyes on that for the rest of the season. Is it four two three one then, or are we four three three? Bit of both. So I think that is. I think, We're I flexible. That... Didn't do you that in the team meeting? No, they haven't mentioned it. <laughs> that wasn't in the text. <laughs> <laughs> you just worry about your own defensive line. Yeah. <laughs> you just worry about Glenn Murray's elbows. That's what, said to, that's, what said to, that's what I've said to Virgil. He went, no, they're for you, and I went, no, they're yours as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing on the team sheet where Virgil's like, why is my name twice? And I went, well, mate, I'm not doing it all. Why am I marking Josh King as well? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, Who's this then. Come on, Fraser, fella. It's all got silly. We've all got late. Dead quick. Um, I'm going to ask you for a prediction. I mean, you've, I think you made it clear what your expectations all are, and I think your expectations are pretty rock solid. Um, Mel. Two nil. Two nil. Three nil. Three nil. Two nil. Two nil. All right, excellent stuff. Had an absolute ball, Mel. Ready. Dan Morgan and Jay McKenna. Uh, fabulous. Uh, really pleased everyone came in. Hope you've enjoyed this show. All the little ins and outs of the weekend, and do tell your mates. Sports Social Podcast Network.